Glory to God. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good, good. Well, I am Pastor Scott, and I am out of London, Kentucky. We've had my wife and I and our family pastor a vineyard church there. I don't know if you know this, but vineyard is not just right here. Vineyard is all over the world. And uh, we pastor a vineyard church in southeastern Kentucky. That is better than, than Kentucky. It's southeastern Kentucky. Come on now. And so we pastor a vineyard church there. We plant, it was planted by my family and I about uh, nine years ago. Matter of fact, on November 1st, we're celebrating our ninth anniversary. And uh, it, we, it's just thriving. God is doing such great things in Kentucky. Matter of fact, I wore my, my vineyard church shirt here with the state of Kentucky and right here where this star is in southeastern somebody get that right southeastern <laughs> Kentucky right over my heart is where uh, where our church is and the reason that London Kentucky's over my heart is because that's where my bride came from come on now and so she's right over here and she is the uh, milk on my cornflakes I mean I just love her all the time and she's good to me we've been married 37 years and soon to be 38 in December, yes? That's right. And so London, Kentucky is our home. And uh, again, you know, there's, there's, God is doing stuff all over, all over. And I want you to hear something. I want you to hear something this morning. God will work when you want Him to work. God will work for you and help you and be there for you when you want Him to work. A lot of times we say, I wish God would do this, but we really don't mean it. Come on now. And so God will work. So you've got a thriving church here. You guys are going to other countries. You guys have, have wonderful people. I've never met more friendly people to come and greet you and talk with you. And you all have name tags on, so you, I don't have to remember anything. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Is that good or what? And you all want God to, to work and to breathe and to move in this place. I can feel that. I can hear that. I can hear it in everything you say. So you have to want God to do something. God will work. You know, the Pharisees really didn't want God to work. They didn't want God to work on Sunday because it was the Sabbath. They didn't want God to work except by their traditions. We've got to put that stuff down and we have to want God to work. Somebody say amen. And so we are going to expect God to do some things. I want to introduce uh, who we are and what we, what we, uh, what we represent here. Uh, Vineyard of London is, uh, is what you'll see up there. That's where we come from. But Vineyard is Vineyard. Somebody say amen. But I do want to tell you that back in, at Vineyard of London, in London, Kentucky right now, is my family, my kids, are managing the church. So I'm sure the police have already been called. Come on, somebody. <laughs> But this is what my kids, my family looks like. Take a look at this. And uh, that's all of us outside of the doors of our church. We've got a, a wonderful facility, and, and God has been good to us. Let me show you the three kids together. I'll give you their names. Uh, these are the three together. That is Isaiah on the left in the green. That is Eli in the middle. And uh, Eli is 18 years old. Isaiah is 21. And that's Tori, uh, our daughter Victoria. And she is our worship pastor. She is 30, just turned 30. And uh, just is, they are wonderful. They're just like my wife, so I enjoy them. Come on, somebody. Um, but they, my, my oldest son, Isaiah, on the, on the left there, he plays guitar, and uh, Eli plays drums, and Tori plays, or she sings, and she tries to play some instruments. She doesn't do, she doesn't practice enough. Come on, there's something about practicing that's good. Take a look at my boys one more time. I'll show you a couple more pictures. There's my boys. Uh, I, I don't know where we were at there. Probably... 
Florida, right there. And then this is Tori, and she, this, she looks like her mom, isn't she pretty? And uh, we, she sings. I've got a video, actually, of what they're doing this morning, just so you can kind of see that uh, Vineyard is not just here. All right? Just take a quick look at this. I think this is them. You'll see them playing. So I'm a proud papa, and uh, this is, and of course they uh, they get all that from their mom. They don't get any of that from me. So I am proud. I'm a proud papa. I'll leave Vineyard of London alone, but I just want you to see that what's happening here is not the only place it happens. Somebody say Amen. amen. God is moving, and He is doing great things in all kinds of places. Um, this morning, I, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to talk to you about the in between. Say the in between with me. Say in between. The in-between, the, the push-pull, what we call in the vineyard, we call it the tension between the kingdoms. It is something that we all deal with, and I, I just want to give you three scriptures today that are going to help you with that. Um, now, now, in that, we all have hope. We all want hope. We have hope that something is going to change, something's going to get better, something's going to get good, something is going to happen for someone that we love, for ourselves, for someone in our lives. We want good things to happen, and we have hope for that. Amen? Amen. And so God moves where we hope. I'll show you that here in a couple of minutes in the Scripture. But hope plays an incredible place in your action of believing. The problem is, is we're in the tension between the kingdoms. Have I ever heard that before? The tension between the kingdoms is this fact. We have the kingdom that we're in and we have the kingdom that's coming and Jesus worked in between those kingdoms. The, he, and, and we hope in this kingdom and we ask for heaven to come to earth. Jesus said, pray that it be on earth as it is in Heaven, Jesus, God, I want you to know, God in your life does not want earth to rule. Does not want the world to rule. He wants heaven to rule in your life. Somebody say amen. I, listen, you're going to you're gonna have to jump up and shout a little bit. Somebody say amen. amen. There we go. Now in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the preacher would say, bless the Lord. And the people would say, amen, amen. So let's practice that once. Bless the Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. So that's your job this morning. You have one job. Just one job. And the job is this. When I say bless the Lord, you say? Amen. Eh, we're going to get along great. This is awesome. So in between, in between where we're at and, and heaven coming to earth, heaven coming in and invading, us going to another country and invading that country, bringing heaven to that country. Somebody say amen. Somewhere in there is hope. Is hope. 
We hope when we go that things are going to be great. We hope when we go that somebody's going to get saved. We hope when we go that the five-hour drive is not a walk. Somebody say amen. In between hope, in between where we're, where we're at and where we're going, is the tension in the kingdom, and the bridge that gets us through that tension is hope. The bridge that gets us through that tension is hope. It's the only thing sometimes we have to hold on to. And sometimes our hope gets a little lost. Sometimes our hope gets a little knocked around. Sometimes our hope gets knocked down, and we're just there by ourselves. And now we're between the kingdoms, and where do we go? And so what I want to explain to you this morning, out of three scriptures, there's three scriptures in the book of 1 John. This is a very vineyard-esque doctrine, very powerful doctrine. It'll change your life if you let it. And so somewhere in there is this bridge of hope between where we're at and what we're, what we're seeking for. So in 1 John 3, 3, 1 through 3, 1 John 3, 1 through 3, the first three verses, I want to show you a couple of things that God, God has for us. You'll see it on the screen, I think. We'll get to it here in a minute. But 1 John 3, 1 through 3 reads like this. If you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles. It reads like this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. Let's stop there for a minute. Because the privilege of being God's children is more than being God's friends or being His business associates. It's more than being, his, his, uh, being someone who observes Him. It's more than being someone who worships Him. It is being his children, and he calls each and every one of you here his child. And so see what kind of love. And he starts out, and he starts out with this heavenly love, and we're observing this heavenly love. He says, we see what, see what kind of love the Father has given us, and that we should be called God's children, and that is what we are. And I want you to say that with me. Say, I am God's child. I am, God's child. I am loved by him. He has his heart set on me. That's a new thought for some of you. For some of us, we don't think that way. We didn't get up this morning thinking, God's heart is set on my day today. God's heart is set on, you know, my children, I can't go to Myrtle Beach without showing you my children. Somebody, you understand what I'm saying? I can't go across the street. Some of you have already shown me pictures of your grandchildren. Come on now. That's all right. You're proud. You didn't need to show me so many, but it was great. It was fun. I loved it. But here's the thing. Some of you can't go three steps without showing your family, without showing those kids, those grandkids. Someone said they had, I don't remember how many, a bunch of great, of great grandkids. I'm looking for one grandkid right now. My daughter's not married yet. So I'm looking for one grandchild. Somebody's got a bunch of great-grandkids. Here's what I want you to understand. What makes you think God is so different than you? I want you just to let that settle in for just a second. What great love heaven has for us. What great love does he present to us? And does he look down upon us that he's pulling out his wallet every time an angel walks by? Come on now. He said, look at this, look at this. I've got one picture, and he opens up, out falls 42 pictures of you. This is, who, this is where my life is. This is what I love. This is the great love that he's shown and he poured out on us. 
And yet so many of us, we don't understand, we don't comprehend, we, don't even can, can, we can't even calculate that he would like us, let alone love us. But I want you to understand that God loves you with an, Im, an impossible love. A love that goes beyond where you're at, beyond who you are. Beyond, it goes to a level that you look like Jesus because Jesus and you are brothers. And he looks down and he says, I want you to see my kids. There's Jesus. He plays guitar in the band. Come on, somebody. We've got you. Somebody's playing drums. And we've got a singer extraordinaire. And we just love to show that to you. Look at 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And that is what we are. And he declares it. But then he says something, and now we start to get into the tension. He says, but the world didn't recognize him, that's Jesus, and it doesn't recognize us. Because the world didn't recognize Jesus, it doesn't recognize us. And so now we have this great love coming from heaven, but we turn to the world, and the kingdom of the world is saying to us, ah, we don't even recognize who you are. You look the same, you act the same, you live in the same house, everything about you is the same. And we're, No, 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 you don't understand. Jesus loves me, God loves me, such great love. He shows my picture to everybody. He loves me. And they look at you and they go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. And so there's this tension. There's this push-pull. There's this, there's this place we stand in which we have this love, but people don't recognize what it is, and we stand between heaven, holding on to heaven with one hand, and we hold on to the world with the other, not because we're trying to gain the world, but because we're in it. Somebody say amen. amen. So here we are in it, and we're holding on to heaven, and we're holding on to the world, and heaven recognizes us, and the world doesn't. There's tension. There's tension. There's this push, this pull, this, this I get it, I don't get it. And the world doesn't recognize us. Go to verse 2 just for a second. Dear friends, we're only going to look at three verses today. This is a little section of Scripture, so powerful, so life-changing. Dear friends, we are now God's children, and it hasn't yet appeared what we will be. And here's why the world can't see who you are. It has not yet appeared who we will be. How many of you, you know, we talk about becoming Christ followers, and I became a radical radical Jesus follower years and years ago. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you love the Lord with all your heart? You, you chase after him. You want him in your life. There's something more that you want from him, but you're so happy with where you are. How many of you recognize the fact that you're not where you used to be? Somebody say amen. But you're going to where he wants you to be, and you're in that tension between the two. And so he says, dear friends, we are now, now, today, where we're, where we're at right now, we are God's children, but it hasn't yet happened. It has not yet appeared what we will be. And so he firmly says, God loves you. The world doesn't recognize you. And you don't even know who you are. It hasn't appeared what you're going to be. Some of us, are looking forward to Jesus' coming so that we can be more like him. But how do we see what he is? How do we see what we will be? And he says, dear friends, we are now God's children, and, yet it hasn't, it ha and it hasn't yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, 
Say when he appears. We know one thing right now. Right now, we know he's going to appear, and when he does, everybody that didn't recognize us, we're going to look at him and say, nanny, nanny, (laughs) boo-boo. Come on now. We're going to look at him, we're going to say, "Uh uh-uh, you didn't get it then. We knew it the whole time, but even we don't recognize who he has made us to be yet. That's powerful, because it gives me room for improvement. Huh? It gives me room to move forward with Jesus. It means that every day doesn't have to be like yesterday. Every day doesn't have to be like today. And my tomorrows can have hope, say hope. And hope is the bridge between where we are and what heaven wants us to be, what heaven is working on for us, what heaven has for us. And we haven't even recognized. It hasn't even appeared what we will be. Listen to what the second half of this says. I'll read it from the beginning. Dear friends, now we are God's children, and it hasn't yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. You say, you can't see him yet. God saved the best for last. God gave us an opportunity to see him better when he appears. God gave us the opportunity to recognize who we are. We're going to see Jesus one day and we're going to go, oh, that's what he meant when he called me righteous. Did you know the Bible says that you partake in the righteousness of God? That's what he meant when he said to have faith. When we see him, it's going to be personified and we're going to finally recognize who we were really meant to be, who we really are, and it's because we're going to see him that we're going to see him. Dear friends, now we, now we are God's children and it hasn't yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is and right now we can't see him so we don't quite recognize who even we are even though he made, Jesus or God made us to be in his likeness and his image. We are not quite there yet. We are in the tension, in that hope bridge of I hope I can get there, but we can't even define what that is. And we live in the tension. We live in the tension. We live in the in-between. We live in this spot where we know what we want and we know what's promised, but we're still in the world. We're, still, we're not of it, but we're in it. And we live in this in-between and we're praying heaven down to earth. We are invading. We are coming. We are, bringing, we are doing all we can for heaven to be implemented here on earth. And yet we're standing and we still have these issues, these problems, these, this life in the world. We have one foot in the world, not because we've chosen it, but because we are in the world, but not of it. And we've got one foot in heaven. We're reaching between the two. And hope is the only thing that's holding those two things together. Together. Hope is the only thing. And yet so many people have lost hope. So many people have thrown hope out. So many people don't get up and say, I hope this will happen today and say something good. They say, I know something's going to happen and they, claim, they say something bad. Your hope is the bridge between where you are and what God wants for you. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's what hope's for. It's to connect where we are to where we're not yet. It's the, t- the tension between the kingdoms gives us tension there, gives us issues there. And when Jesus arrives, we won't have this tension because we'll see him and we'll recognize who he is. Therefore, we'll recognize who we made him. Your image of you, your, your acknowledgement of who you are is only as deep as your acknowledgement of who Jesus Christ is. I'll say that again. 
Your acknowledgement of who you are in Christ is only as deep as your acknowledgement of who Jesus Christ is. And that's why he says, when he comes, we'll see him and then we'll get it. We'll, we'll know who we are. Now, why is that important? It's important because of the next verse. Take a look at this next verse. 1 John 3 and 1 through 3 and 3. And everyone who has this hope, and I told you hope was there. What hope? The hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. The hope that he's going to come for us. The hope that there's something more than just this world. The hope that there's some hope. Somebody say amen. amen. The hope that there's some hope. And everybody who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Because what happens is, is we stand and we stand in this tension between the kingdoms. And we believe God heals, but we're feeling sick. Come on, somebody. We believe God, God works with addicts, but we're, we're watching a close loved one go through addiction. We got hope, but that's the only thing we've got sometimes. We, we, see, we see that our attitude may not be very heavenly sometimes, but we see the heavenly attitude, but sometimes the attitude's not too heavenly. Come on, you ever wake up? Your spouse ever wake up grumpy? Say amen. My wife said a big amen just there. Attitude and not so good. And we live in this tension. And the only thing we have to bridge this gap is hope. The only thing we've got is hope. And so when we end up saying this, and all of us have said it at one point or another, it's the worst idea ever. It's, well, well I see what, what God wants me to be. I see what he's provided for us. We haven't even seen it yet. But we see it. We, we kind of get it. But we've not even seen it yet. We have this, this hope, this, this thing this, this dream, this, this good, and we've got this that we're living in and we're in between these two. We're trusting that God's going to get someone saved, but we're, we're not quite sure how. We live in between those two and there's hope in there. But the problem is, is we get to this place where when we don't get our hope for long enough, we start to kind of turn, turn away from here and start to look at, look at this and say, I wonder what I'm doing wrong. We've all done it. We stop looking at heaven and what it's providing and what it promises, and we start looking at the other side of the tension, and we start looking. I, I know heaven promises me, promises me healing, but I'm looking at this, this report. I'm looking at this situation. I'm looking at where God, what's happening in my body, and I'm not sure. And, and we stop looking where there's hope, and, and the bridge of hope starts to break down, and pretty soon we're only looking over here. And then we say this, get ready. We say... Maybe we look back. This is so devastating. We look back and we see the, what's up there. We see what God wants for us. We see where he's, when he comes, what we're going to have. And we're looking at it. And we're, but this is so powerful. This is so strong. This has been what we're looking at. That we're looking here. We should be looking here, but we're looking here. And then we say this. Maybe if I was just a little bit better. Maybe... If I could fast just a few more days, maybe if I could work on this a little bit, heaven would listen. And we get in this self-improvement, I'm going to do better, I don't know if God listens to me, and we forget what great love, are you hearing me? What great love he's given us. And so we end up in this spot Hold on, my, my leash is pulling. There we go. 
we end up in this spot where we're in the tension and we're stuck here and we're looking the wrong way. How do you hear what I'm saying? You'll never receive that way. You'll never see God move that way. We, our attention, no matter what is going on here, is supposed to be on Him. Listen to me. That's where, what's, what bridge is between where you're at and where you're going? What is it? Hope. And we get to the point where we cease to work on hope and we're looking at this because we think we're not good enough. Well, I'm here to tell you that middle scripture just says you don't even know what you're going to be. You're not good enough. Somebody say amen like you mean it. I'm here to tell you I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. It's not about that. Now, I'm not, I'm not glorifying doing wrong. Don't get me wrong. If you decided to go out last night and do something wrong, that's on you. However, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you wake up every morning and you're like, God, I love you, I just, I'm just not, you're, your problem is, is you've ceased to look here and you've started to look here. You've started to look at this situation instead of here. Churches go through stuff. My church goes through stuff. And we look at it as a body. A church is nothing more than a group of Christians. And churches go through stuff. And we look at heaven and we're like, we're reaching out for We're going to pray heaven to earth. And then something happens over here. And all of our attention goes right here. And we turn our back on heaven. Are you hearing me? Churches go through stuff. What bridges the gap between what's happening and what's possible is hope. And when you lose hope, you lose your connection to up here. And all you've got is the other foot, and you concentrate on right here. Are you hearing me? Now, that might happen here. That might happen in London, Kentucky. I pray it doesn't happen either place. Let's pray it somewhere else. But I believe God has his hand on what you're doing as long as your hope is here. In between, we're in the tension. Somebody say amen. But 1 John 3, verse 3, gives us the clue. Take a look at that scripture one more time. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him, remember I said, we end up looking at it, we say, what did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? We had, we had such a good thing going. We, had, we, we were loving life, and we were hoping for new life. And when things were good, and then this started to break down, and we put it down, and we put our hope down, and we come here. What, what did we do wrong? What happened? And we end up here looking at what we did wrong, and here's what he says. If we could only be a little more pure, maybe heaven would fix this for us. But that's not what the Bible says. And everyone who has this hope in him, in him, in him, where are you supposed to be looking? In Him. Where's your hope supposed to be? In Him. Say, in Him. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. Where are you supposed to be looking? In Him. Everyone who has this hope, in it, this bridge of hope to heaven, everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself even as He, Jesus, is pure. How many of you are pretty sure that Jesus is pure? Come on now. And what I'm trying to say is this, in this tension, this push-pull, we all live in it. We all deal with it. 
The vineyard was defined on this doctrine. That there is what heaven wants, and there's the kingdom we're in, and there's tension there. And I'm telling you, this scripture reveals how great he loves us. The world won't recognize us. And where, when we, if we, but if we have our hope in him, we become purer as he is pure. We become pure. When your concentration and your hope is in Jesus Christ, purity invades you. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. When you concentrate your hope on Jesus Christ and what he's going to make you, even though you don't get it yet, he's what he's going to make you, and that it's not in the tension, it's not in the world, but it's in him. When you start concentrating on that, you start to purify yourself. God's purity comes to you, and it's just like, it's just like, listen, even as he is pure. That means equal to the purity of Jesus Christ. And somebody's going to say, well, you're, you're making that up. No, it's in the Bible. And it's been there for a few thousand years. We just neglected to see it. And he says this, when you're in the tension, when you're in between what, you, what God wants and what, what you're experiencing, hope is your cure, but your hope can't be in the solution. Your hope can't be, if it's addiction and freedom from addiction, your hope can't be in the addiction side. It has to be in the Jesus side. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm preaching better than your amen in. Come on now. <laughs> Pretty sure. You are a quiet bunch. That's all right. We'll fix that. Don't worry. We'll fix that. We'll get some pom-poms if we have to. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Equal to him being pure. You're closer than you think you are. You're as close as your hope is. But your hope has to be focused on the right thing. Your hope can't be focused into what you're experiencing. Your hope has to be focused in what Jesus Christ is going to make you, who he is, and that he's coming again. Your hope has to be focused on the fact that he's coming for us and has better for us, and that heaven, we, God wants heaven to come to earth, and you wake, up, he, you wake up with such great love that he's out showing your picture. He's so proud of you that he'll take a video of you and show it to everybody he sees. You say, well, God didn't do that for me this morning. He did it for my wife and I. And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about out in heaven. He is bragging on me right now. That's not arrogant. That's confident. And there's a difference. And if you'll understand that hope, he's bragging on you too. Amen, pastor. I put this into a story for you. I'll try and make this just as short as possible. Nine years ago, I told you we planted uh, Vineyard Church and uh, we planted it in my wife's photography studio. She had a photography studio and we had a small space, probably about half that, a little more. But it was her shoot space. It's where she brought people in. And she took pictures of them and we, through a series of circumstances, we, we planted the church with some friends, one friend in our family that made six people. Come on now. And so we started big, and, and we had this, uh, this photography studio, and I would get up there, and I would speak to these people, and, and 
uh, on Wednesday nights only. Well, a few months went by, and, and it grew to about 30 or 35 people, I guess, something along that line. Just a hodgepodge of people who love Jesus. Well, that's pure opportunity right there. Come on now. And so we had this, so we found a building uh, besides my wife's photography studio. It was, it was across town. It was an old warehouse. And uh, we found this building, and we went in in, I don't know, June or July, and Spent three or four months talking to the landlord. He gave us three or four months to work on it and fix it up before he started charging us rent. And we moved in on November 1st, 2010. Well, just a few months, a few weeks before that, that opening date is something in London, Kentucky called, hold on to your seats, it's called the Chicken Festival. Come on, somebody. And the reason is, is because that holy saint of old Colonel Sanders is from our county. Come on now. <laughs> Peter, James, John, and the Colonel. Come on now. <laughs> so the Colonel is from our county, and, and uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken was started right there, if you can't tell. Come on now. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken was started there, and so they have this big festival downtown, and we have the world's largest skillet. Oh, you better stand back. And don't, don't come, because if you go to that festival, you'll be ruined for all of our festivals, and you'll never enjoy another one. But if you come, you're our guest, and we want to see you there. So we got this warehouse. It's right on the corner of the Chicken Festival, we, and, and we, we have, were just planning this church, and we were building up this building. And so we decided what we would do. Now listen, I'm talking about the tension between the kingdoms. Just listen closely. So we decided we would put out a prayer booth and, and stand out front and invite people in and give away free hot dogs and tell people all about the church that was coming in six weeks, six weeks before, that, before we opened. Boy, we were going to change London. We were going to take the vineyard and, and implant it into London six weeks early. We were going to prep them. We were going to be out greeting people as they came down the road to go to the chicken festival. We had a place to park cars. We had it all. And we were going to impact, we were going to get people saved, we were going to have prayer time with them, we were going to have church on the street, we were going to outreach. That's an old word that most people, Christians don't understand anymore. That means you get outside the four walls of the building and you have church out there. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what we all should be doing. Big plans, big plans, walls and making a sanctuary and building a stage and, 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 and going in the back and making area for children. We had a, we, 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 you know, fixing up the bathrooms and getting everything ready. And so we, we are there on, on Fifth Street in London, Kentucky, about to open the Vineyard Church. We've got a Bible study. We've applied to, to be a vineyard. It is going through. We put up a sign, Vineyard Church coming soon. And Friday, the Chicken Festival is starting. Friday at the end of September, whatever that was that day. We were excited. So we went down and we went out in front of our building, which is only, what, 30 feet wide maybe? And the we got there Friday morning bright and early, all excited, all ready to go. And the city decided the best place to put a 20-foot dumpster <laughs> was directly in front of our front, the front of our building right there. And it's only about 100 degrees, so you know how that smells after two days. Come on now, that was pleasant. Boy, that was great. We want to thank the City of London for encouraging us 
in opening the, the Vineyard Church. And then, not only that, now this is a little two-lane street, you know, it's not big like it is here, it's, it's, a, it's a little two-lane street and, and, and no parking on the sides, and so they took up half of one side of the street with the dumpster, and then they were kind enough, they thought, how can we bless Vineyard? We're going to go right across the street from that, and we're going to put in ten porta-potties. Come on, somebody. I counted them. Ten. Standing out in front of our church, right in front of the big plate glass windows where we bought, spent the last, you know, when you start a church, you've got, you've got a lot of money. You have like almost $300. Come on now. And so we're starting this church with almost $300 and we buy a banner and the banner says, Vineyard Church coming right on, right behind the giant dumpster. So you can't see the banner. We've blown all our money. And we show up Friday morning and we're like, oh my goodness, all hope is lost. Somebody say tension between the kingdom. Yeah. Jesus, we want to reach London for you. And we've got porta potties and, <laughs> and stale garbage to do it with. Come on, somebody. Where, where do we go from here? No hope. Hope is lost. People showed up and they were like, Pastor, did you order this? <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't order this. I may be funny looking, but I'm not dumb. That'd be my sister. So <laughs> she's not here, is she? No. God bless her. That, take that off the recording, please. My sister's a great, great girl. Ain't real bright, but she's a great girl. Come on in. So here we show up. And, and I mean, hope ran back home. We just, th we just thought the whole weekend was blown. And we had planned for a month to do this. I mean, which doesn't sound like much, but in the vineyard, a month of planning is like 10 years anywhere else. Come on now. And so we're planning for this, this big event. We're going to stop people in the street. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to pray for them. And there's, a poor, there's stale garbage and the pleasant scent of, of urine. Come on now. I just say it in church. And there's a space about from the end of that table... To me, the people are walking through, and they don't want to be there. They're like bringing their kids and going, now, kids, don't touch anything. Go on in here. Come on. And I'm like, hey, we've got... I'm on the other side of the dumpster. Hey, we've got a church that's going in. <laughs> they throw their cup over, and it hit me. Come on now. We didn't know what to do. All hope is lost. All hope is lost. So I said, Lord we got to make something out of this. And I quit looking at the dumpster and what the city did and the disrespect and they knew we were coming and, oh, I'm mad and, oh, my goodness, people are going to be disappointed. Will they ever come back to church? They're, gonna, they're not going to like me. My leadership is lacking. Come on. Come on. That's how pastors think, by the way. I don't know if you know that. And the other side of looking to heaven and saying, you're bigger than this. I don't know. That doesn't know what, you're gonna, what I'm going to see in me when you show up. But you see me. You see me. And I'm not going to give up hope. True story. This is every bit is true. I'm going to show you pictures here in a minute just to prove it because I know he doesn't believe me back there. Come on now. <laughs> Listen to me. So... I, I just kind of re retreat just a little bit and I say, Lord, we've got to do something. 
And I remembered all of a sudden we had a little table about like this that had been donated. You know one of those tables that you set up and it almost falls over because it was in somebody's garage and the legs bent? You know what I'm talking about. You know, when you start big, you know. Put it, we've set it right there. And I said to somebody there, I said, go get me some hand sanitizer and get me some baby wipes. And I said to somebody else, go get the thermos. We have one thermos. It's old, it's rotten. Clean it, bring it here, put it right here, put it full of ice and get some water. And I sat down with no longer with my backdrop being the Vineyard Church in all its glory. Instead, with a garbage bin behind me that stunk and was leaking garbage in the 100 degree heat. Come on, it smelled. I sat right there with a chair out front and we took a piece of cardboard and we said, clean hands and cold water ministry. Because God's smarter than I am. Come on, somebody. Now, you got to hear this. Listen to me. When you stop putting your hope here and all you're looking at is this, there's no clean hands, cold water ministry. You go home crying. Are you hearing me? But when you look back to heaven and you say, this is what I got to work with. Some of you ladies have said that before about your husbands. You say, well, this is what I've got to work with. Come on now. Please, God, let's do something good here. And, you, and I'm trying to do this so quick. I'll, I'll end this right now. So we're looking to heaven. So I sat down there, and uh, when people would come out, people would come down, and they didn't want to talk to me in front of the porta potties at all. They would come out of the porta potties, and I would say, Please come over here. Come here. I know it's gross in there, it's disgusting in there. Would you like to wash your hands? I've got some hand sanitizer for you and your kids. I've got, some, some, uh, I've got some baby wipes. You can clean them off real good. We've got a garbage can right here. And listen, let me give you a cold cup of water. I think it was Jesus said, if you give a cold cup of water in my name, you've done it unto me. Huh? So would you like a cold, cold bottle of water? And they would say, yeah. And I say, you yeah, have six kids. Let me get you six. And here's one for the road. And next time you come through here... Uh, you stop and we'll, we'll get you some more. Thank you very much. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you about the church that's coming behind this dumpster? Ignore the dumpster. Because now I've made relations. Listen to me. I said, can, can I talk to you about the church that's coming? Because we're, the Vineyard Church is coming here. It's not like every other church. It's not like everybody else. We, 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 we sing contemporary music. We, we reach out beyond. We, we love the Holy Spirit. We reach out beyond ourselves. It ceases to be about us. It becomes about Jesus, and we minister for Jesus. We just want to invite you. Here's some literature that we printed up. Here's, some, here's, here's a cold cup of water, and next time you come through, please come back. And all of a sudden, the tension was gone because heaven was here. Are you catching me? You got to quit looking at this. You got to quit looking at the problems. And you got to look at the hope of Jesus Christ and what he's made you to be and what he's going to do. He can fix anything. If he can fix us, he can fix anything. Somebody shout amen. 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 I want to so show you a picture of that because some, some of you won't believe it. There's me in front of the dumpster. You thought I was joking. <laughs> The young man standing next to me is now in law school. He, uh, this is a few years back. He's in law school. He is a, a minister. He, he was our, our youth pastor. He's there with us. Take a look at the next picture, and you'll see we actually, that's the picture, that's the, 
the, uh, I think we've still got that table. That's the table, and there's some people washing their hands, and there's the garbage can they threw their stuff away in, and you, what you can't see just to the left of that picture, let's see, the left of that picture is the 10 porta-potties. But who cares? Who cares? I want to show you one more picture. Take a look at this lady. Now, this is a wonderful lady. Um, she's a friend of ours, Ernestine Bilby. She came to the chicken festival that year, and I want you to hear this now. Now listen, this is the most important thing I've said all day. She comes to the chicken festival. She walks through. They said I had 20 minutes, but that don't mean nothing in southeastern <laughs> Kentucky. I'm almost done. Ernestine Bilby. She comes to the chicken festival, and when people would stop, we actually had people there. I would do some of it, other people would do some of it, and we would pray for her. We would pray for people, and somehow we prayed for her. I, you know, when you pray for 400 people in a day, and they tell you what to pray for, at about the third person, your mind is numb, and you're just grabbing hold of heaven saying, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go, and that's what prayer is, by the way. Are you hearing me? Ernestine Bilby comes by. She gets prayed for. She doesn't live in London. She's just there to visit some family and go to the chicken festival. She comes in every chicken festival, and she goes back home. don't remember where she lives, but she lives somewhere. So anyhow. We closed the chicken festival. We went home. We all, we all were excited about it. We opened the church a month later. Things went gangbusters. It just turned out to be great. Here's what ended up happening. The next year, we had another chicken festival. And this year, we were wise enough to call the city and say, could you please move that junk down the block, a half a block? And they did. And they did. And now we've got a building that's finished. And we're actually having church there. And we, we put up a prayer tent. And we, put it, we still gave away hot dogs. And we did a concert. And it was great. We had a great time. And people got ministered to. Or this lady comes up to me, year two. She walks up to me, she says, do you remember me? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't. Her, her answer scared me. She said, you better remember me. <laughs> I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I don't remember you. She said, you better remember me. I said, ma'am, my name is Pastor Scott. She said, I know who you are. <laughs> she said, you don't remember me? I said, no, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I pray for so many people at the chicken festival. And do you live here in town? No, I don't live here. I said, well, that's probably why I'm so sorry. What can I do for you? She said, you can't do anything for me. She said, last year I came through and you prayed for me. In between the potty and the garbage can. Are you hearing me? In between the latrine and the garbage can. She said, you prayed for me. I said, I'm honored. I hope everything came out well. She said, I had, I had just been diagnosed with stage three cancer in my breast. She said, you guys prayed for me. She said, you all. You all prayed for me. And I went home. It disappeared. She said, it was gone. And I said, it was almost too, it's one of those moments where it's almost too good to be through. And you're like, where is the news? They're filming me right now. I'm trying she said, no, you, you prayed for me. And, and it, I, said, for, I said, praise the Lord. Jesus loves you. She says, I know he does. Here's the thing. What if in the tension between the kingdoms, what if we had let go of heaven and said, oh, forget it. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to work with that addict anymore. I'm not going to feed the homeless anymore. I'm not going overseas anymore. I'm not going to open the church early anymore. I'm not going to do this for people anymore. I'm not going to do that for people. I'm going to quit. There's too much garbage. There's too much potties. There's too, much, too, many, too much mess. 
And we turn our back, and what would have happened to Ernestine Bilby? Ernestine Bilby came back the next year and the next year, and she comes every year, and she gives us a report of how good she's doing. Never came back, because Jesus is king. Somebody say amen. Amen. And what I'm trying to tell you is this. Hope. Hope was lost that day until we turned to the king, and we kept putting our eyes on him, and it purified us purified our thinking, it purified who we are, it purified our ministry that day, and it didn't matter how impure what we were doing was, how in between it was in that trash bin, it didn't matter there, it mattered that an opportunity had been created for people to get well. I want to give you hope this morning, and I want you to hear this one thing if you don't hear anything else, God works because you ask Him, because you want Him, because you're inviting Him to work, and He wants to work in your life, and He wants to. He understands you're in between the kingdoms. He understands the tension between, and He's just waiting for you to put your eyes on heaven long enough so He can send an Ernestine Bilby by so that you can pray for her, bring heaven to earth, have something change, have hope explode, and then keep going. Hope is your bridge between where you are and what God wants for you. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen like you mean it. Amen. God is good. Um, I think I'll turn it over to Stefan right now. God bless you all. I'm so glad to have been here. Can you give him a big hand as he comes to close this service or do whatever you guys do, whatever the culture is here. We, we want to... He's a pretty good guy. Seems like a good fella. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.